Salvation. God of mercy, you promise never to break your covenant with us. Amid all the changing words of our generation, speak your eternal word that does not change. Then may we respond to your gracious promises with faithful and obedient lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Today's first reading is from the Gospel of Mark, the first chapter. Chapter. You can follow along on page 34 of your Red Pew Bible. Listen now for God's word. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The word of the Lord. Today's second reading comes from the ninth chapter of Genesis. It's the end of the flood story. Listen now for God's word to you and to me. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. The word of the Lord. In my opinion, one of the most brilliant movies ever made is Groundhog Day. (laughs) Now, if you haven't seen it, after you go see Black Panther this week, make some time to find Groundhog Day on Hulu or Netflix. In the movie, if you haven't seen it, the character played by Bill Murray is this guy, this man who is stuck in a loop that he can't get out of. No matter what he does, he keeps repeating the same day over and over and over again. He's a Browns fan. Over and over. I'm sorry, it was right there. I'm sorry. At first, at first, he is thrilled 
to be living the same day over and over again because he can navigate that day. He gets so good at it. He can navigate that day to maximize pleasure and minimize pain. But after a while, repeating the same day gets old. After a while, he eventually starts to feel depressed and is overcome with despair because no matter what he does or chooses not to do, he ends up again right where he started. Maybe it's just me, but it feels like we are stuck in a really bad sequel to Groundhog Day. Another day where we are stuck in this same pattern, the same cycle, where no matter how much sadness or rage or anger or passion or courage we display individually or collectively, we end up right back where we started. Another senseless and tragic shooting, school shooting, takes innocent lives. Another week of political posturing in response to a national crisis. Another count of sexual misconduct by one of our leaders. Another part of the world dealing with a drought brought on by climate change. Another ethnic group struggling to live, let alone thrive. Another display of greed overwhelming the needs of all. And while we all are, I'm sure, all in our own ways enraged or saddened or perhaps disgusted at these destructive patterns we witness and experience day after day, week after week, if past history is any indication of future behavior, we will soon settle right back in into our old pattern of tolerating the intolerable. We are stuck in a cycle we just can't get out of. Now, today's passage from Genesis marks the end of one of the more famous and odd stories in the scriptures, the story of the great flood. Of course, you might know this story is not really our story. Nearly all people of the ancient world told stories about a great flood. The Sumerians told flood stories. The Africans told flood stories. The Babylonians told flood stories. There are even stories about people building boats to survive the storm. And in all of these flood stories, like our own story, water falls down from the sky as a form of divine judgment for all the ways humanity, all the ways we have messed things up. As much as we may treasure Noah and his ark with those cute animals that come out two by two, this difficult story isn't all that unusual or unique until we come to the part where God hangs up the bow. Now we've gotten so used to hearing this story about the rainbow that it's lost its edge for us. But the first time this story was told, it would have blown people's minds. It would have rocked their world. Because after the floodwaters subside, this God, our God, decides to change the rules, to change the calculus, to change the way things work. As for me, God says, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you. 
the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, I establish my covenant with you that never again, never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again, never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. For centuries, human beings lived as if they were caught in an unbreakable pattern unbreakable relationship with their gods. Do good and the gods might bless you. Do bad and the gods might wipe you and your family off the face of the earth. This was the way all people understood their relationship with the divine. But then the Hebrew people, our ancestors, they they went a different direction. In their flood story, they record an account of a god who consciously chose to break the cycle, to break the pattern. Instead of punishing people when they messed up, this God, our God, was going to reach out to them, relate to them in a whole new way. Which, of course, sends this story, our story, in a totally different direction. Because this God, our God, is a God who wants to relate. This God, our God, is a God who wants to save. This God, our God, is a God who has now committed to changing the pattern of human history, not from a distance, wagging a finger, but right up close with an open heart. Interestingly, our version of the flood story was written down when the people of Israel were in exile in Babylon. They were going through their own groundhog day, day after day in captivity, The priests of the people put this story down onto paper to give the people hope in their time of despair, which is likely why the priests felt the need to hammer home the most important lesson of the story, the lesson you heard over and over again, repeating the main point so we do not miss it. I, God says, I have established a covenant with you and with all flesh on the earth. Not some flesh, not Hebrew flesh, not Christian flesh, not straight flesh, not American flesh, not white flesh, but all flesh. In this amazing ending to a very familiar story, this God, our God, breaks the pattern that up to that point has defined human history by promising never again to punish or destroy And as a reminder of this promise, God literally takes her bow and arrow, hangs it up in the clouds with the arrow pointing up. From now on, our God is a God who saves people, not destroys them. I've told this story, I think, before about Kim, but it's one of my favorite. Kim was having one of those days. Perhaps you had it before you came to church. She had been home all day with her two young boys, and nothing, absolutely nothing was going right. The baby would nap, and the weather was so bad they couldn't go outside for a break. Out of desperation, Kim decided to stick the boys in the bathtub and let them splash around in the water for a while. While the water was running, she took off their clothes and pleaded with her three-year-old son to please use the potty and not the tub. She then stuck her baby in one of those really cool bathtub seats to keep them upright and then reached for the faucet to turn the water off. But when she reached for the faucet to turn it off, 
it snapped off in her hands and the water just started pouring on out. Out of desperation, she stuck the boys in the tub and let them splash around for a while and she grabbed one of those scoops that you wash hair with and tried to bail the water out of the tub into the toilet or into the sink. She did this as fast as she could, but she couldn't keep up. The water just kept coming. She knew she couldn't hold this up for long, so she sprinted to her bedroom, got the cell phone, and frantically dialed her husband's number as she ran back to the bathroom and started bailing the water again. When her husband, Mark, answered the phone, she didn't even try to disguise her anguish. Perhaps you've been at that point before. Mark, oh my God, I don't know what to do. The tub won't turn off and it's filling up with water. I can't bail it out fast enough. It's going to flood the whole house. You have to come here and help me right now. There was this awkward yet wise moment of silence on the phone. Then quietly and non-anxiously and calmly, Mark spoke. Kim, let me hear you right. You're saying the water is running in the bathtub. Yes! And it won't turn off. No, it won't. What, are you deaf? Okay, Kim, just, just one more question. Did you pull out the plug? Some people would make the argument that any God worth worshiping needs to be capable of saving and destroying. Otherwise, God simply doesn't have the power and the chops to vanquish the enemy, to right the wrong, or to bring order to the chaos. But the Hebrews tell a very different story about God. They tell a story of a God who chooses to enter into human history, to change human history, not with power and might and force, but with a commitment to love. And this love for all flesh, not just some flesh, but all flesh, all people, this kind of love demands a different response to injustice, to confusion, to sin, and to pain. It demands a response that ensures that no one is eliminated or forgotten or shoved under the water. To put this in context that we can understand, this action by God to hang her bow up in the clouds, God placing her bow in the clouds and promising never to use it again to punish or coerce humanity would be the equivalent of our country right now shutting down the Department of Defense and opening up that Department of Peace that the boy mayor, Dennis Kucinich, used to talk a lot about. This choice by God to hang up the bow and point the arrow up into the clouds would be the equivalent of us turning all of our guns and warships and planes into plowshares and bicycles and homes. It would be the equivalent to us demilitarizing our police and unlocking our doors and leaving them open and ending the death penalty once and for all. Now, I know what you're saying, Derek. These decisions sound great on paper, but they put all of us at risk. Choosing to hang our bow in the clouds puts us in danger. Doing all those things would make us vulnerable. Vulnerable to the point of threatening or changing or altering our way of life. Which might be the very point God is trying to make. 
I mean, if our schools are unsafe for our children, and our politics are polarized beyond recognition, and our financial resources are going one direction and not the other, and racism and sexism continue to hold sway, and our nation is more addicted than any nation in history of humanity, perhaps it seems that change, transformation, a breaking of the cycle is exactly what we need. And the stories of God hanging up her bow and Jesus being sent down to earth by his Father in heaven, these two stories make it clear God is in the business of breaking destructive patterns, just not the way we prefer. God's in the business of breaking destructive patterns, not with violence or judgment or vengeance. God breaks patterns with a promise. So right now, what I want to do, what I desperately feel like doing, is leveraging my position as your pastor and getting a little self-righteous and telling you what to do, to challenge you to get more involved, to find some way to make the world a better place, to do what you can to break the cycles that enslave and entrap us all. That's my temptation. That's what I want to do. My first draft had a really long list. It was great. But that would just ring empty and hollow. That's nothing new. I'm thankful, really thankful, for the prophetic voices among us that challenge our complacency and stand up to injustice. But from this pulpit today, the only thing I can say with any level of, of authenticity and consistency is to share with you how conflicted I feel inside. Like you, there is both violence and nonviolence. Me, there's love and there's vengeance. Like you, I rage against the injustice and then do little to stop it. Like you, I am so full of inconsistencies, hypocrisy, uncertainty. Like you, I am stuck in patterns I just can't get out of. Which is why I feel compelled, like the priest did in Babylon, to hammer home the good news embedded in this story of the rainbow. The good news is this. We don't break the cycles that enslave us and entrap us. God does. We don't break the patterns and the ways of behavior and the stupidity. God does. God has promised to love not only us, but them, the others, everyone, now and forever. No more punishment, no more retribution, no more choosing sides, no more divinely sanctioned violence, no more vengeance to get us in the line. Just a promise to be with us, with everyone, in all things. And it is my firm belief that if we want anything to ever change, we have to hold fast to this truth to hold tight to this promise that God, our God, your God, the world's God is invested and involved in our lives and in the lives of others. That is the promise that gives us hope that all the destructive patterns that break our hearts can and will change. God has promised Amen.